why being a strong character in Street Fighter V just isn't good enough, you have to be broken. Plus, Mortal Kombat 11 continues their wave of good PR with multiple hype reveals, Capcom's IR report shows that they're putting a lot of eggs in the esports basket, the 2019 Pro Tour is officially announced, Luffy releases a controversial character carry tier list for Street Fighter V, Dakota Dark Horse Hills joins us to talk consoles, Shaggy, and more, all here on the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Here to match your enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm having fun too. No, I uh, I had a really slow morning. I guess I didn't sleep amazingly well last night, and so I got up, and it's rainy and kind of gray here, although the sun did just come out as I look out my window. But it's been I've just been like grabbing a leg and picking it up with my arms and moving it forward and then doing the other one in order to walk today. I'm through like three cups of coffee, so I'm in that like... I'm jittery, but I'm still tired kind of phase. Um, oh, man. But hey, uh, I'm ready to, to talk about some fighting games. I'm ready to talk about, uh, we, have, we have a lot and a lot of different avenues from Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, uh, everything. Dakota's coming on, so we got a lot to do. I can't be tired. Let's go. All right. Yeah, the internet is a very angry place is what I'm seeing, and we're going to see if we can piss it off even further. So let's get into this. So anyway, we have the Combat Cast come up here just the other day. Uh, NetherRealm Studios is basically the gold standard in the community when it comes to uh, relaying information to their their communities. I mean, they're just great about it. They they put on a great production. They have very knowledgeable people speaking. Uh, they, they're just top to bottom excellent. And uh, I had, did not have a chance to tune into this one. How did it go on your end? It was the first combat cast from Mortal Kombat 11, and people were very excited when I was watching, uh, I think it, it, it was at least on Twitch, it might have been on YouTube too, yeah, but uh, as far as Twitch was concerned, I remember seeing about 33,000 people tuned in. If you went on Twitter, everyone from Maximilian to Sejam to just, just plenty of um, fighting game community faces were, were uh, hosting the combat cast on their streams. So it was definitely Nether Realms and Mortal Kombat's day yesterday to shine. And they very much came through. And this is after a hiccup because this combat cast was actually supposed to happen last week. But because Sub-Zero was going to town on Chicago, they decided to kick it all the way forward to February 5th yesterday but that you know that said they still knocked it out of the park they showed Cabal which we were expecting um, but he looks really cool he's, he's pretty different from how he was before and he's got a cool little I don't know if it's an easter egg but an alternate look to him that people have been pretty excited about and then they capitalized further and they showed another character and they announced when their next combat cast is going to be, which is next Thursday, and they said there's another character coming there. So not only did we get a huge information drop where they showed off a new guy and they showed off Garrus, and, and this is coming directly from the devs, so they know pretty much everything and ins and outs and how they designed him and what they want you know, as far as how he, how he plays. But then we also got a lot to look forward to, a lot to speculate about, and... Um, and it just leaves a good taste in your mouth, you know, when you think about it, you're like, yeah, I got this, I got this to look forward to, I have this to like kind of dig and mine through, and, and we've certainly been doing that, analyzing all the different kind of things that uh, Ed Boone and Tyler Lansdowne and the rest of the crew there said about Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, things like, uh, let's see here, I, I had a few notes written down, and I think uh, Stephen Dream King did a story earlier today about the fact that Cabal is just the first in a line of 
who are going to be highly anticipated DLC characters that um, that have been part of the series before, right? So you're looking at, oh, there's a long list. There's, you know, like favorites like Ermac, Shang Tsung, Rain, Noob Saibot. A lot of guys and, and girls that haven't been in like Mortal Kombat X, for example, but everyone was kind of wanting and hoping for like Sindel. Um, and then, so, so there are going to be a lot of characters like that that people are excited for. So yet another avenue to be excited about. Um, but... What we do know right now and don't have to speculate about is Cabal. He is back, and and like those other ones we mentioned, he was in Mortal Kombat X. He was definitely a, a conversation starter, to be nice about things, in Mortal Kombat 9, because man, was he a strong character. He had basically infinite block strings and, and until you got hit. Uh, he was very strong, and he has been since day one back in Mortal Kombat 3 when he made his debut. But he's back in MK11, and he looks, I think, better than ever. And uh, and he's got a lot of his moves back. But for being such a broken character in so many different ways, it's going along with this clear narrative that Netherrealm is trying to clean things up in the competitive side of their, their game design. And Cabal has those moves, but they don't seem to be as strong. And then they, they it was a 16-bit that was on there. And he's helped, you know, he's like the QA guy, like the lead QA guy for Netherrealm as they develop these games. So he was talking about basically what they were thinking when they designed the character. And while he still has the things that make him Cabal, those, those epic moves like his dash move that uh, puts you in a, a stun state and you can get a combo off of, uh, and his hook swords and his buzz saws and, and such, he doesn't have them in the ways that he used to so that he can't just be this like brain dead spamming, like go, 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 go character. Um, he's more of a mid range and zoning type character as opposed to a rushdown this time around. And he's also very simple or relatively simple to play. So he's the kind of character that you can kind of just pick up and go with. And, and that's cool because he's he's you know visually when you're if you're just jumping into mortal kombat for the first time or just getting into mortal kombat 11 and you're sitting there on the character select screen and you don't necessarily know who you want to pick he's a cool looking guy you know like he's got all these gadgets and he's intimidating and he's got the hook swords and and if you've seen someone else play him you see all these different uh, kinds of attacks in his arsenal and i think he's a fairly appealing player to newcomers and they've designed him to be as such also in his gameplay so i think that that's yet another testament to how nrs is approaching this game and how i think that that particular approach is going to lead to success because they're really paying attention to the things that they should be paying attention to um, I just want to jump in and say Cabal made his debut in Mortal Kombat 3. I remember this character playing him back in the arcades and that run move of his where, you know, it would basically put you in a spin state and you could, you know, run up and combo them, you know, with your swords and do an uppercut and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's the iconic move of Cabal. Mm -hmm. And and it's one of the things I will fault Capcom here is that some of the characters in Street Fighter V, they've, they've done, like, you know, Cody, I think is the biggest example, where they took a move set that is kind of iconic and they just kind of got rid of it with some of the characters. And I don't think it's a really good, you know, way to do things when you have a returning character. And I'm glad that with, you know, Cabal, they kept that there. And his run attack actually seems like the main basis for the character. He seems to have multiple runs. Uh, I think he even has a, a fatality that's actually based around the run attack, which I'm like, oh, hey, you know, that's that's like that's really honoring your character from, you know, their past roots, basically. You know, it's interesting. Um, and I I wouldn't say I'm trying to avoid doing it. Uh, and I don't think we should completely try to avoid doing it. I want to give Mortal Kombat its time in the spotlight because it deserves it and it, and not just compare it to its brother, you know, in Street Fighter. But, I mean, you write a story about 
like the Comia cast, for instance, or you go on a stream and, and anytime NRS makes a move right now, most of the time, the first comment is about comparing it to something uh, Street Fighter V related, you know, and I wish Street Fighter V did it like this and, and such. And, and if it's not the first comment, it's like within the first five, it comes up constantly. And this is where, at least in our neck of the woods of the fighting game community, people's minds are at is comparing it to Capcom. And I mean, again, we don't have to go into it. It's more NRS's time in the spotlight, but it's just, it's continuing to do a really good job while somebody else that's expected to do a really good job isn't. And, um, yeah. and, and so it just keeps, that keeps on coming up, man. That's a classic history of these two franchises, like Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat. It's what everyone wanted to see back in the day. Uh, we've talked about that game. Like, they still want to see it. Like, these games have always been rivals to each other. Like, mostly friendly rivals. I think, you know, Midway, uh, NetherRealm Studios, whatever you want to call them, uh, they've definitely always tried to sock it to Capcom in a number of ways. And I think Capcom in the same way, like saying, hey, you know, their games just have, like, blood going for them and, and different things. I remember talking to Capcom people back in the day and, you know, dogging the game a little bit. But... Um, it's mostly friendly, you know, they're, they're competitors and whatnot, but I, that's good. Like this brings back the classics to me. I'm like, I'm, I'm amped up about it. Uh, and you know, the, who benefits from these rivalries is, is the community, mm -hmm. you know, the, the gamers, they benefit from this where it's like, look, you can't rest and sit back and say like, yeah, you know, Mortal Kombat did this really well. And we're going to do just like this piss poor job. Same thing with street fighter, you know, like, Hey, street fighters held up on this pedestal for competitive, you know, gaming, like, Every other company out there needs to get their pro tour going. They need to make the game more competitive, like balance-wise, all that. Like this, this is benefiting all of us in the community to see this type of thing again. Yeah, absolutely. And so, going off of what all was revealed yesterday, right after the combat cast where they showcased Cabal and explained Garrus a little bit more, uh, they had a an Xbox stream, and it wasn't Mortal Kombat centric, but in the introduction to it, they had a bit of what looked like a pre-recorded interview with Ed Boon, and he showed that De uh, Devora who is from Mortal Kombat X, is also making her return. She's the one that uh, is basically like an insect queen. She's a humanoid, but she controls a whole bunch of insects, and she has these long insect-like um, uh, legs that can come out of her back and like kind of stab at you and such. She's real vic vicious. Right. The proper term, John, is bug lady. Oh, bug lady. I'm sorry. So yeah, bug, bug lady. lady. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and and so I, like you know, it's like a one-two punch. It's like here's Cabal. Check this out. We we got Kano um, surprised. You know, at the at the Brazil event, and they only showed two images of Kano. They showed his official you know character art, and then they showed him in a in like a pirate kind of costume, which is perfect for oh. Kano. It's great. You went there. You called him a pirate. And it's he's not, not right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like a Brazilian. In, do you know the term? What what it is? Oh, I have no idea what the term it's is. Like All gaucho I know is, people, is what I keep hearing. Yeah, they're super insulted that we're calling him a pirate, even though he looks exactly like a pirate. It just reminding me of like uh, Conra from Killer Instinct, where we called him a mummy, and people are like he's not a mummy. You know, or I guess it was the developers, but but yeah, it's he's a mummy. Anyway, yeah, and Kano's a pirate, a pirate so, and uh, yeah. Mortal Kombat <laughs> Eleven is rated R. <laughs> Anyways, we also got Devora yesterday, and uh, and so we haven't seen any gameplay of her or Kano, um, but we know that they're on route, and then we also know that another female or her character, uh, I hope I don't get in trouble there, uh, is coming to uh, the combat cast next week. Speculation is that it might be Katana, um, and that I think is because, uh, was it 16-bit has his has updated his uh, Twitter profile or banner picture rather to be Katana. We're not certain, 
but um, she would, you know, she's she's a good candidate. We'll find out next Thursday, though. And all in all, just and NRS continues to set them up and knock them down perfectly yep. thus far. As we get closer and closer to, I think it's April twenty third, maybe that Mortal Kombat comes out. Yeah, I'm, I, the game is looking great. You know, major props to them. Um, uh, again, making everyone you know kind of step their game up. I'm really looking forward to the title. And there we go. Yep. 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 So uh, we also had Genesis this last weekend and a very nice tournament. Um, we had over 150,000 viewers uh, on Sunday that peaked with the melee finals. And then, uh, but Ultimate did very well as, um, as well, I should say. Uh, Ultimate ran really late though. A lot of people went to bed. I had to go to bed. I'm very old. I can't stay up there to midnight anymore. Uh, I got to wake up and get my kids off to school, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think Ultimate actually had a chance of beating out melee for numbers. But again, the, just the, you know the time stuff just kind of did not work out in their favor mm-hmm. uh but man it was a great tournament well i hear all uh, i hear the melee part of it was a snooze fest to begin with so maybe that was putting people to bed before ultimate had a chance to wake them back up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah see i'm actually a fan of hungry box so i i like the way he plays um i like jigglypuff and all that uh i think he's a great you know competitor and all um so i, I was good with it um but yeah it did kind of suck because uh, leffin and mango got eliminated you know before the the, the t- you know latter part of the tournament and um uh, uh, you know they were in top eight, but you know they got pieced out before then. So um, anyway, it was it was a uh, uh, oh that's right. I, I should say Leffen wasn't even participating in melee because of scheduling conflicts. Mm-hmm. So um, I need to back myself up there, and uh, so that was disappointing. But he was playing an ultimate, had some great matches. Man, Leffen's matches are entertaining. Like you, when Leffen is coming up, I think like the entire like fighting game community goes Leffen's playing. I want to watch this like because you he's so polarizing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who's been like, hey, you know, I mentioned Leffen and, and they're like, oh, I have no opinion of that guy. It's like, no, I hate that. I son hate of a, like, love him, yeah, yeah I, I hate him or love him. I have some opinion of Leffen out there. And, and, and mad does he put on a show? It's like every time he's up there, his matches are just like they're down to the wire. They're entertaining. Like they have something going on. Some kind of element of drama are just like big time factor that you want to see it um so anyway um but i i, I thought genesis was really great uh, 150,000 viewers is nothing to sneeze at at all i mean that is that's a gigantic amount of people watching um man nintendo please make a pro tour please do something please also fix your online so that you don't randomly get like items and other things like that no. i know that's a common complaint um we want to love you nintendo we want to love you so much we already do we want to love you more we want to love you even even more than we already are right now like please give us more reason to do so uh, give us a pro tour get it out there uh but yeah the tournament was sick we don't have to to dwell on it but I do think that there's something to be, uh, I mean, said and maybe maybe learned, maybe a takeaway from the negativity that was coming at Hungrybox. Because um, I mean, I don't I don't know him personally, but the guy gets so much hate for just basically the way he plays, and that was like particularly highlighted um, at Genesis, where they were just like chanting really negative things at him while he was playing, and that's obviously starting to drive conversation on social media, and it has been for a while because he's kind of gotten this before, but. I wonder, like, is that is that crossing a line or not? And I wanted to ask you because you know you're wise and such. Because like you were saying, you've been around for a while. Um, I, I don't know about this wise thing, but I've definitely <laughs> been around for a while. Um, I, I've heard this before. Um, I mean, look, I, the thing about it is, is there one? There's not very many viable characters in melee to begin with, and he plays Jigglypuff, who's a character I think is is best played. You know, pretty lame, and that's a style as well. Um, like. 
you're basically upset at the guy for winning and winning in, on his own terms. And, well, and Justin yeah. Long and Floyd Mayweather play yeah. like that too, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, that I mean, you're getting in. That's what you're getting into. And I mean, hey, root for Mango. You know, root for well, Armada doesn't play anymore. But anyway, root for someone else. Uh, Plup is great and upcoming. You know, Axe uh, did a great job with Pikachu. Uh, I mean, you know, root for the other player to win and you know hope they go up there. But I mean, my always I go back to is like get good. You know, if you don't like it, go up there and beat them and take them out, you know, and, and play an offensive game. But you can't fault a guy for winning. Do you think it's inappropriate for the fans to be chanting that? Because, I mean, if you nope. go to a, a pro, you know, uh, like a sports event, I, I think that there's a lot of negativity that can be there. I mean, we just had the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and I'm sure there were a lot of boos for the Patriots just because people don't want to see him win. But then also for Tom Brady in particular, Right. And so like, is it, is it inappropriate, but like chanting like F H box and all that kind of stuff. That's going too far. Um, but if you're going to, if you're going to give them crap about, you know, being lame and all that, like, ah, oh, I'm falling asleep back over here. Like, you know, you're, you know, that rest hit like the other player so hard. It put me to sleep too. You know, I mean, just like you could do anything like that. It's totally fine. Um, like when you cross the line into personal insults, like that's going too far, mm-hmm. you know, that's going way too far. Um, but it's, it's the classic thing like is in like fight club, you know, the movie is like, it, we have applicants coming to our door, you know, to join our fight club or whatever, you know, project Bayham something like that. And they're like, okay, so if he's too tall, tell me he's too tall. If he's too blonde, tell me he's too blonde, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's like. All that stuff has got to be on the table. Uh, we're rowdy. You know, this is U.S. sports entertainment, like whatever you want to call it. Like all that stuff has to be on the table. You have to deal with it. Uh, people, um, uh, when Infiltration was playing Akuma in Street Fighter 4, uh, Akuma goes, mm, like that whenever he throws a fireball. Mm. And, and <laughs> Infiltration was doing it so often at Evo, like the whole crowd started to go. Mm, he and Tokido, like they were all just, yeah, I remember that was in the crowd that year. It was hilarious. Yeah, and I mean. It was, I mean, that, that's, you, you better be able to deal with that. And I mean, it's, that's something that you've picked that character. You've decided to play that style. Like, I mean, it, it's like me getting upset. Like, you know, if I do drill too much or crouching heavy, uh, medium punch too much uh, with Rose, it's like, you know, I expect that to be coming my way. Uh, I realize I'm a whore with the character and I'm going to have to deal with that. And I mean, yeah. So, so but then if people yell something like F Tom Brady, when they're in the stands of the Super Bowl, do you think that uh, that's wrong as well? I mean, cause then they um, go in even harder on like social media writing like, I mean like Jimmy Kimmel yeah. does like mean tweets for athletes and for for celebrities and such where they just go and they read the horrible horrible things that people say and it's like we're just kind of expecting them to deal with it right and should we do the same for HBox uh, actually I know now in the NBA I don't follow the NFL that closely anymore because all the head trauma stuff that really bothers me uh-huh. I hate seeing people get hurt like that where it's that's a whole different story and will get really depressing if I talk sure. about that um, you know hearing people you know do interviews afterwards it's just oof um, but I know in the NBA actually like you'll have an usher come up to you and say like hey you gotta you gotta you know relax and stuff you're going too far with your you know heckling um and, and they'll actually put the kibosh on that uh twitter that's a whole different ball game mm-hmm. and uh, i've been listening to the ceo of twitter kind of talk about that and how they're trying to get away from you know that that basically the outrage culture or the insult culture because what happens is, is you put something up there that's really spicy on Twitter is you get retweets, you get likes, you get people responding to it. The incentive is for you to put some, like, something up there highly, you yeah. know, uh, flammable, you know, and, and that that is rewarded very heavily on that platform. Not just kind of, it's like the entire incentive of it. And, and he was speaking about how they need to, like, 
they probably can't get away from that, but they can probably dial back the incentive of that and make it less of a thing where where people are rewarded for being so you know toxic, basically. Yeah, uh, I don't really have too much of an answer to all of this, but as I think about what it's like to be a celebrity in the fighting game community versus what it's like to be a celebrity in these other avenues that we've been talking about, I think that one of the main differences and significant differences is that like when HBox finishes playing his playing his match, he doesn't walk like through some security guarded path back to like a locker room. Mm-hmm. He just walks right back into the crowd and he's one of the community right there. And so there's a connection. There's like a he's just one of us in that respect and he is mm-hmm. you know, so all of those like kind of insults and such when you say it to like LeBron James or someone like that, it's mean and and I'm sure that hurts his feelings to an extent, but he also has like a certain level of separation away from those people where where he's not going to have to just be all of a sudden next to them and in their face physically and such and and the, that's not quite there you know with with fighting game and so it, it feels like those kinds of things if you're saying mean things or even making threats and such it's like that's that's more intense when it's on that level because it feels like it's there's more potential for it to come to some kind of a physical fruition or something like that and so that's kind of my initial reaction to that and I, I mean obviously why can't we all just be nice to each other or if we're going to make jokes it's like make them in a you know something of a of, of good taste and not make people feel depressed you know or, or completely want to avoid going on social media because they're popular and and people have decided to to you know hunt them down but uh otherwise i mean i i really do want to sing the praises of or the growth of the Smash community in recent times and seeing Genesis and seeing like the events before Genesis because that's like it's probably the biggest event that we've seen Ultimate at thus far. But Ultimate's mm-hmm. been just killing it on everywhere it goes. Like we've said before, the stream numbers and the audience is there. It's selling bajillions of copies. Bajillions translates to something around 5 million here uh, about two months into its lifespan. It's doing really well. Smash is doing well. Melee continues to thrive, man, with those numbers yeah. and such. And, and so... We're still going, and that's that's really nice to see. Uh, so moving along, we have the Capcom Pro Tour 2019 details that, that have come out, and we have $600,000 on the line this year, which I think is very slick, you know, extra $100,000, like, and that's not including, I'm assuming, you know, the, the DLC packs and all that that Capcom uses to to push up the, the prize right. pot even further. Um, so, you know, we might have like a $700,000, $800,000, you know, year, somewhere around there, uh, depending on what Capcom does. Um, and I, I that's, you know, just, again, great. Uh, they continue to be the torchbearers for, you know, financing the, the fighting game players, basically, who, who play the game. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing I noticed is that the the points distribution this year for the Pro Tour, it seems more smoothed. Like they they've they've basically made it so that Evo is a big deal, but it's not like an insanely big deal. And I think that's much more in line with where the community is at right now. Um, I think Evo used to be you know creme de la creme. You know it, you could not get better than that. And I think there's enough events now that are not on exactly Evo's level, but they're close enough where the, the point total should basically be around the same, and, and that's what they've done. They've made the, the super premier class of events. When when the premier and ranking, and then there was just the single Evo, it was in its own category, and it has been for a while in Pro Tour. When that came out back in 2018, there was a lot of talk about it, because um, it was adjusted from 2017, where if you won a premiere event in 2017, you got 400 points. That jumped up hard to mm-hmm. 700 in in uh, 2018. But you still, um, when you won a ranking event in 2017, you got 160 points. They dropped that 10 points down to 150 
in uh, 2018. And people were pretty upset about the, the disparity there, how winning ranking wasn't as important and winning premiere was pretty big deal. And then, and then Evo was its own thing. Now you've got three events in that super premiere slash Evo kind of tier um, style. And, but going from 1750 points for winning first place, that was what it was in 2018. Um, they've put it back down to only 1,000, and that's what it was back in 2017. So we're seeing the uh, the disparity between the events kind of closing a little bit. The gap is closing, so um, it, it's it's still better to win a premiere than a ranking, and it's better to win a super premiere than a premiere and such, but it's not so different that it feels like maybe one doesn't really matter as much. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they had the... Um, the single point of pride <laughs> for getting <laughs> seventh place in a ranking or 33rd in a uh, premiere or 129th at, uh, at Evo, that's been changed to five points. Now, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I, I can look, but I don't think anyone, you know, missed the, the place above them by five points. So it's still pretty much for pride. Um, but, you know, I, what I will say is that this was a huge deal last year. Like, it was something we would talk about for a while, wrote multiple articles on, talked about it on Best of Five. This year, uh, it doesn't seem like people are caring as much about it, and I don't, there could be multiple reasons for that. Maybe that just things feel lukewarm about Street Fighter Five, and so people aren't as interested and don't really care. Maybe they're just happy, but they're not ready to, to say, yeah, this is really good. It's just kind of matter of fact, like, good, you did your job right. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, I don't know, but it doesn't feel like there's as much talk about it this year. And and Capcom really did adjust things. And, and this is an example of them listening to the people and changing yep. something. And oh, yeah. I don't feel like we're talking too much about it. You know, like I did the article change uh, comparing stuff and, and uh, I just expected there'd be a lot more chatter about it, a lot more like thumbs up. But it seems like people are a little bit on the apathetic side compared to where they were this time last year. Yeah, I, I think it's it's twofold, as you said. I, I think Street Fighter V's popularity is, is waning a bit um, just because, again, we've talked about communication stuff so many times. Mm-hmm. We won't get into it yet again, uh, but that is one factor. And I also think that that 2018, the, the Pro Tour was pretty well received. You know, people had the issues with the, the one lousy point, you know, uh, that they got. And, and now the, the minimum you can get now on the Pro Tour is five points, which is, you know, it's respectable. Um, I really, as you mentioned, I don't know what the difference is, you know, between one point and five in reality. Like, it's just more of like, yeah, it's probably not going to make or break you in, in any circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it feels more substantial. It looks better. It passes more of the eye test, right? Yes. Um, so there that is. Uh, and uh, so, you know, with the 2018 Pro Tour being pretty good and then kind of resolving the major issues with it, I think most people are like, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, like, hey, we'll tune in. We'll check it out. You're adding more money in. Like, pretty happy about it. You know, um, a couple things I will point out here, though, is that the premieres have wiggled around just a bit, but are mostly the same. Uh, second place now gets 80 more points than they got last year. Uh, and then in ranking events, um, uh, first, second and third now all get more points as well. And it. It did feel like last year where ranking events were kind of like, oh, here's another ranking event. Oh, it doesn't really matter unless you win it, you know. And even then, it's like, yeah, okay. Um, so it, it does seem like there's more emphasis placed on on points in the game now. Um, and I'm glad to see it. It's less of like, you know, just this kind of free-for-all and the point total is getting like just completely crazy. And now more of like, uh, oh, hey, you know, like these points actually do seem to mean more. Uh, and it's a little easier to follow the race, I think. When you start getting up there into the, you know, several thousands, and, and you know, you've, you've got the several thousands at the very top, and then, like, you go down a few, you know, levels, and you've got people in the, you know, below a thousand points, like, it, it you, you kind of lose that sense of, of urgency and that sense of, like, 
you know, uh, comparison basically. And it, this seems to bring it all back down. And as I mentioned before, kind of smooth over the rough edges. Mm-hmm. Um, another big thing in this avenue is that the uh, Latin American regional finals, which were previously held in Brazil for the last couple of years, um, and Brazil has laws, gambling laws, that make it impossible to award players money for playing in tournaments like this. Uh, and so they weren't getting paid, and that was like $15,000 or something. Or maybe it was like 20000 last year. I'd, I'd, I'd have to pull that up. Um, where they were just like missing out on that much money for, you know, top eight or so. And uh, it was more of just like a pat on the back and a good job. And the winner got to go to, you know, Capcom Cup. But, I mean, that's a pretty significant miss out on payouts. And that was something that the community talked about quite a bit. Um, and Michael Martin said basically that the you know it's we've we've kind of done it there because yes the Brazilian headquarters or their headquarters for Capcom in, in Latin America are in Brazil they've moved it to First Attack run by uh, Mono PR mm-hmm. and uh, and and that's been a, a one of those growing um, events like I, I feel like you can kind of maybe compare it to like Combo Breaker uh, it's like the Combo Breaker of Latin America where it's 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 being it's got a good foundation it's got a good tournament organizer behind it they pay attention they kind of evolve with the times and so I I think that's as good an event as any to put the regional finals in and hey it's in Puerto Rico so that means you get to pay out your players which is nice so that's a big like fix from uh, one of the things that people had the most issue with last year. And I know people have cited like traveling issues like, hey, you know, Puerto Rico, like that's a ways to travel for, you know, some of uh, uh, South Americans Mm -hmm. and getting up there. And you guys have, you know, fixed one problem and created another. And I point out those people like, guess what? That's reality. Like that is every system on the planet where they're like, okay, we're going to fix this and these unintended consequences come out. Like there's no perfect scenario out here. Um, they've got to put it in a region where they have control over how much it can do payouts and other things like that. And, you know, the laws like work with them. It's not like Capcom can go and like break the law and face, you know, a bunch of fines and potential jail time and all that just to pay out players. Like they, they can't do that. Um, you've got to find some kind of happy medium. I realize it's not perfect for everyone out there. Um, but, you know, I think most people will take getting, you know, payouts and actually having money on the line versus, you know, traveling a little bit. Uh, I know it's not everyone's case, but I know for some people it's, you know, a good, you know, a good way of handling it, I would say. Well, surely we can expect Capcom to develop teleportation tra- technology, you know, <laughs> so that we can get people from uh, from Brazil up to Puerto Rico and such. And But, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe not because, gosh, Capcom, you never do anything right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think Capcom USA, again, does a very good job on a number of issues. Uh, and this is just, again, another example of that. The Capcom Pro Tour is great. Uh, again, torchbearer for the community. It does a great job. I will throw this out there, though. Um, uh, just I'm a huge fan of CEO, uh, despite making the joke I did last week, which was just terrible. Um, uh, I, I thought it was funny, but it's still terrible. But anyway, uh, I, I don't understand why it's not a super premiere. Um, CEO is just an amazingly good tournament. Not good, like just top level amazing uh and the only thing i could think of is maybe they wanted to avoid having three u.s tournaments as super premieres and i get that at that point it's like you've got evo you've got the u.s finals like maybe you don't want to have that many points like to the u.s location and putting ceo in there but i will give jabali a shout out there um he deserves it he he made this tournament you know from pretty much nothing uh from the ashes of another tournament that were was you know got canceled and a bunch of other drama behind it uh i love ceo um just a terrific tournament a little disappointed it wasn't up there but i i think the reasons are are you know very fair uh, at least that i would speculate on yeah and and if this continues to grow in this direction and they add more super premieres that's like one of the first candidates 
Um, the other big thing as far as like tournament specifics, I should say, is that um, SCR is not happening this year. Mm. Uh, and, and that's interesting. But if you remember, uh, I think it was 2015 was the last year they did it. SCR used to be um, earlier in the year. It was like a February or March event. And then there was an issue, so they had to delay it. And it delayed all the way to like September or October. And then that was kind of its spot. But the really cool thing about SCR is that it was close to NCR. And so there was always a little bit of a narrative there because there's like, you know, kind of a rivalry going on between NorCal and SoCal. We remember that awesome, uh, uh, I think it was SCR 2015 where Snake Eyes did the uh, the reverse OCV on Team NorCal and it was great. And, and there was that. Yeah, that, that's great for you SoCal people, but not us NorCal people. So, yeah, just just check yourself there. But yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't even think that yeah, you're one of those losers up in NorCal, aren't you? That's funny. Um, so anyways, they, they, it's a cool cause they will be returning next year. They'll get all their ducks in a row and be able to, uh, to launch it. But basically they said that, um, they just couldn't do the event justice if they were to try to get it put together this year for, for whatever reason, they're going through a lot of, um, stuff right now. And so no SCR this year, but it should be returning, uh, in 2020 and it'll be back at a spot, which I think is better for it considering the rivalry of NorCal and the narrative that can evolve there. Yeah, I, I know some of the behind-the-scenes details about why. Uh, I can't relay them here because I don't have permission to do so. I can just say they're very valid. Um, all the reasons, you know, they, they give, you know, forward-facing and there's some other ones. Um, the, the the team behind SCR is incredible. Level Up is awesome. And it is a good reminder to to get out there and support, you know, your, your tournaments. Um, these are a big deal. I've been to SCR. It's great. Man, there's some just amazing tournaments in the community where you go to them and your entire experience is like just so much fun. Uh, it's, it's, man, I want to go to SCR. Like I'm like, I, I, I'm disappointed. It's not there. I understand why it's not there. But, I mean, like Valle you know. will put on the, on the tournament page and, and others do this too a little bit, but they go, you know, if you find yourself wanting to go out at night, here are the local things that you can go to. Here are the clubs. Here's yep. this and that. Like they yep. really care about more than just here are your pools and here's when you're supposed to be here. And also we're going to run that two hours later, but you have to be there the whole time. It's uh, it's a whole experience where like they, they make you want to come back. It's like it's this far from the airport. You can you, here are the deals. Oh, shout outs to Jabaley who's getting discounts on flights for people oh, that are going man. to CEO. Like you yeah. can really tell that this the the tos that go out of their way to make their event that much better, and it and it's showing. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, so definitely the the tear down the eye here for SCR. Uh, definitely going to be looking forward to it coming back the year after. So. Uh, speaking of, of esports and whatnot, uh, Capcom has released their latest investor relations report, and the amount of times that they talk about esports is a very big deal. Uh, it's considerable. Like they mention it, there's a whole section on it in there. Uh, they continue to trumpet that aspect of their company, and we've heard this over and over again. Um, and it's like, damn, like you have to have something more up your sleeves right now than than just what we have at this moment in time, because um, we only have Street Fighter Five, and, and they continue to say that they, that is their their flagship franchise in esports. It's their only franchise in esports, you know. And they they talk, well, you know, Monster Hunter is monster, uh, uh, multiplayer, and it's like, okay, that's fine. That's not esports, and you know it. And what the hell are you working on? 
What are you working on where you have two corporate officers that are in charge of esports? You have Capcom USA working on it constantly. You have all these ventures and stuff going on. Like we've got the Street Fighter League now. Uh, that's great. That's in Japan. It's in the US. That's fine. But you have to have something more. It doesn't make any damn sense for you to be like hyping up this aspect of your business this much to your investors who you cannot lie to. You have to be truthful to your investors. Are you getting so much trouble? Like, unbelievable amounts of trouble like this is a big deal this is a really big deal and we have no idea what they're doing beyond like what they're doing right now and it's like ah, uh, i'm so hyped up about it as you can hear in my voice and i'm hyped up because it's like the great capcom mystery of like you you have to have something more than this so in, in, yeah. I, I, um dream king wrote the piece on this because i was uh, i think it was my day off and so he tackled this but it to me it, what i got out of this was that the uh, they're they're really into esports and like you said, Street Fighter Five is their esports game right now. But that the report didn't really mention Street Fighter Five because it, yeah. it was more about like that the anniversary collection did well, which mm-hmm. great. But that's that's not esports at all. I mean, there's there have been a few like kind of nostalgic anniversary collection um, game tournaments. I don't even know if it was played on the anniversary collection when you know the, the I, I suppose it was. Um, but like okay, so so esports, and then this title that really isn't esports, and and here here we sit with Street Fighter Five, and if you're an investor, you go okay, well then, you know what on the esports front, you know what I'm hearing about Street Fighter Five is that like Tokido's no longer on Echo Fox, and that mm-hmm. Justin Wong is no longer on Echo Fox, who have been I think it's fair to say like the biggest sponsorship you know kind of entity in the fgc and they've almost completely pulled out there's a few remaining um there's like two smash players and mewtwo king and um MK and mk leo, leo. Yeah. and then uh the Killsage, who was recently picked up mm-hmm. but their their list of they i think they initially acquired or they've uh, overall they've got that 14 fighting game players are down to four and yeah. and you know sonic fox still in there maybe the biggest most famous fighting game player in the world right now mm-hmm. um but you know you got rid of tokido you got rid of justin wong um, and, and it's like, where does it stop? And maybe they're completely getting out of, of, I don't know, but that's not a good look for esports. is that like this big, you know, and, and Echo Fox clearly overextended and, and we knew almost as much when they, uh, you know, back in 2017, when they did yeah. all their acquisitions there, yeah. but it's still like, that's a huge, obvious blip on the radar. And it's not a good look in terms of fighting game esports. I personally think Echo Fox gave us an inflated view with how they went about things and that this kind of thing was probably the most inevitable um, outworking of this because we're just not as big as they kind of made the room for, uh, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that kind of goes into what you're saying about you know, the relationship with investors and like when, so Capcom, you're talking about esports, you're like, okay, there are a lot of our eggs in this basket and we're like, okay, so, so, so where's the basket? Yeah. Yeah. It's, they, they keep, they keep, stating it and it sounds it amounts to little more than intent and as you mentioned it's like okay well you're barely talking about street fighter at all you know in in, in this latest report and you just keep talking about esports how it's like is he edge like what like what uh so it, it, they're driving me a little nuts here <laughs> i think we probably have to move on because i there's nothing much more to say except for it's like they keep like shooting that that word through my brain through like every single investor relations report over like i don't know the last year or two years something like that where we've been you know um piecing together the bread the bread crumbs um excuse me, let me say that again, breadcrumbs. There we go, I got that out there. Uh, and and it, it's, 
what's going on? You know, like, just uh, give us a hint. Give us something. And they're, they're frying my brain. I can't even talk anymore. That's well, what's going on. Like so. <laughs> I, you know, I just have this kind of premonition that when we talk to Dakota later, I'll probably bring up the idea that um, I'm interested in what happens with Street Fighter V. I'm hoping for the best. But you know what? I'm more or less looking forward to Street Fighter VI. I'll probably say something along those lines later, but it just popped up in my head just now, too. Yeah, that sounds very prophetic. From you. I, don't, I don't know how you're going to do that, but yeah. Uh, moving along here, we have uh, Metacritic giving Capcom the number one overall rated company with 12 or more games released. Wait, well, didn't we just talk a bunch of crap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just saying, but it's well-deserved because Capcom's yeah. not just a fighting game entity, right? Right. Well, you, but even then, they actually had a handful of like, you know, fighting game-ish titles come out last year that, that got on this mark. Um, and so uh, with Metacritic, like to get this number one thing, as I mentioned, you had to have 12 or more games games released are like the way they count that is a little bit funky monkey but anyway um had to be 2018 so no resident evil 2 here um but monster hunter got a 90 uh, out of 100 for him and then actually street fighter 5 arcade edition got an 87 so uh and this is only critic scores here there, there's no user scores in the equation that they're counting a couple other notable games that helped them was Mega Man 11 with an 80, uh, Ok uh, Okami HD for the Switch, which got an 89, uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collect Collection, which is an 80, and then Capcom Beat 'Em Up Bundle, uh, which has you know Final Fight a few other games in there as a 75, um, and and those were just you know the notable games that, that kind of got them up there. Um, Getting number one on Metacritic, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they're they're beating out Sega, they're beating out Nintendo, uh, Bandai Namco, uh, any other you know company you can you can think of that that releases multiple games each year uh, that are a big deal. They beat them out, and it's like, okay, um, you know, we we've got our faults here with the company, but uh, it, it's you know our staff keeps you know calling them the, the cap god, you know, returning to that that status of like the ultimate third party company, or one of them at least um, that just releases mega hit after mega hit, and I we're very hardcore in our scene, you know, fighting game community. That's what we are, you know? Um, but I think that more casual gamers are, are having a big appreciation for their efforts out there. And I think that, you know, when we got street fighter five and just kind of the whole trajectory of the game was kind of botched and it, it just kind of left a sour taste in our mouth, kind of like throughout the entire experience. Like, yeah, that's good. But like, you kind of you kind of effed up the entire way so you can only be so good in our eyes you know like you, you just you botch so much with this it's like eh whatever and and you kind of continue to do more stuff like that um so yeah i i think casual gaming more so more typical gaming i should say like they, they've got down pretty well um definitely leaving a bit to be you know desired with you know the fighting game community hardcore you know service aspect of things yeah so the takeaway for that or from that for me is that uh, at least they're not depending on on the success solely of the fighting game division, which is like, it's not a failure, but it's not flourishing in my opinion in, in certain ways. But they have all these other avenues that they're very clearly winning in. And then and therefore the average is that they're the best in at least this particular um, way of measuring things. And it's a significant one. And so that's going to help out the fighting games, uh, you know, well, ideally. So, uh, so yeah, I think that it's good news. I'm happy to hear it. Um, and and it, it gives you some foundation to go off of, like you said, where we don't have to just have that kind of sour taste in our mouth, that there's more to the picture than this. And we have to take a step back and look at it in a more general and broad sense. And when you do that, the, the story is a little bit nicer. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think we're going to uh, to bring Dakota on now and uh, and chat with him with a few, or about a few things. So uh, yeah, let's jump into round two. Round two. 
All right, and now we're going to bring in the latest Event Hubs uh, member, remember, maybe, I don't know, but member, Dakota Dark Horse Hills. And uh, uh, he's been with the site now for just about a year, and we wanted to bring him on the podcast so everyone, you know, can hear him talk about what the latest buzz is in the community, and that would actually be Shaggy from (laughs) Scooby-Doo, kind of making some noise here with Mortal Kombat 11. And Dakota, you've reported on the story quite a bit, like, where, where does it stand right now for people who may not have followed it? Well, we're now in 2019, so we have, you know, the sort of new waves of memes coming in to start the new year, and Shaggy was among them, along with uh, the whole AirPods meme, and the joke has been going around that Shaggy is secretly the most powerful person in existence, essentially. It started, like, I, I was doing some research for it, and it started back in, like, 2017, right? Where, where this idea, yeah, yeah well, I, you know, did the whole know your meme, Ultra Instinct Shaggy, and sure enough, it's, like, at the top of the list right now because people are losing their minds over this. Okay, it's not stupid, but it's stupid when it goes beyond what it's supposed to be. Oh, no, it's uh, stupid. It's, let's, let's call it what it is. It's definitely stupid. Fair enough. Like, and I get it, I get it. Shaggy's of not, he's a coward in most, and he's, like, he's a stoner, and he, I mean, unofficially, right? And he just doesn't, he doesn't get off the couch unless he has to. And the idea of him being this all-powerful being, I get the comedy there, but but uh, anyways, just I, I won't go too far into it. But yes, it's something that started like back in 2017, but didn't really catch uh, like catch on or, or spread like wildfire until just like a month ago, if that even. Um, and I don't know the specifics as to why and such. You can go and read about it. It's fairly easy to find. But it's been around for a lot longer than I realized, but it only recently started gaining momentum. Yeah, uh, I think like the Ultra Instinct Shaggy thing really started kicking things off and uh once the meme really started gaining momentum, then a sort of parody news site called Woken News Network actually picked it up and ran with it, started a change.org petition to put Shaggy as a DLC character in Mortal Kombat 11, since that was around the same time that uh, Mortal Kombat 11, the reveal event, just went down. And it quickly got over like 110,000 signatures in like less than a day and then since then i think it's gotten over three hundred thousand. and i mean it got to the point fairly quickly that uh ed boone you know the big troll that he is started talking about it on twitter somebody just responded to him on some innocuous tweet saying we want shaggy and the first thing he said was well let me know how that works out for you but then later on he posted a fan art image of Ultra Instinct Shaggy uh, with the mm-hmm. quote, high, low, mid, grab, I will mix your bleep up in fighting games. <laughs> and and it hasn't been that you, like, we can't post a story about a character reveal. You can't go on to a, a Mortal Kombat 11 stream without just seeing constant bombardment of put Shaggy in, put Shaggy in, and then, you know, an, an equal amount of don't put Shaggy in, you guys are stupid. And it's just been this this huge thing that so much that the the internet has just completely eaten up since that time with this this petition to put a character stupid Ultra Instinct Shaggy into Mortal Kombat. Um, and it's for me, it's like one of those things where like I was kind of getting at earlier. It's I get the comedy, I get the joke. Mortal Kombat's one for guest characters, and they're all the rage right now with you know Negan being in Tekken and things along those lines. But it's enough is enough and and the the internet lost track of the line of where it's it's fun to joke about it versus where it's just plain dumb 
you know, this is like Waluigi all over again. Oh. And uh, like, I know like all the Waluigi people are going to get pissed off, but really like he's not that big of a character. People aren't that big of fans of him. They're just mm-hmm. a fan of the movement. You know, they're a fan of, of, you know, the memes and stuff out there that I get, you know, it's kind of the same thing with what I'm seeing with Shaggy. I used to watch Scooby-Doo all the time. My oldest son used to watch like Scooby-Doo and like get scared uh, of like, you know, the 1970s <laughs> version and all that, like some of the monsters in there. And he like, he'd make me go in there when he was like three years old and watch it with them and all that like scooby-doo is great i love it shaggy jumps into scooby-doo's arms whenever he gets scared or he runs away as you guys said like <laughs> yeah, <he's>, yeah. <laughs> i mean you have to have scooby-doo be a huge part of him like i think if you include him as a character and then i mean to, to actually put some like reality on this like we're gonna have to be comfortable with like shaggy getting his head ripped off his heart ripped out like all that kind of stuff that happens to mortal Kombat characters you're in this game you're gonna get messed up that's what this game is about now, i just i really have a difficult time seeing the ip holders um and I know there's some kind of like licensing thing where, where Warner Brothers has like part of the license or something like that, but I don't know. I, I can't see Hanna Barbera like being like, oh yeah, like go ahead and just murder that dude like a hundred times. Like <laughs> we're good with that. Um, I think that might raise some flags with them. Yep. All right, so moving along, uh, we've got the next generation consoles on the horizon. And Dakota, you've been following this quite a bit here, and. I'm I'm really curious. When do you think we're going to be seeing more about you know the the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Five Thousand and Eight or whatever <laughs> you know whatever naming convention they want to come up with? When, when do you think we're going to hear something? Um, if we go by how the previous generations have gone, PS4 and the Xbox One both released back at the end of 2013, which will make them both six years old this year, which is about the average console lifespan. But uh, the PS3 to three, PS3 and 360 area to uh, the PS4 era was actually one of the longest in console history, which was around seven years. And so 2020 seems like the perfect year to kind of launch a new console just because it's 2020. And we already know that Sony is skipping out on E3 this year, probably because they don't have much left to show other than the ps4 exclusives they've got coming down this year and maybe the first half of next year and with xbox having sort of the uh solo stage along with nintendo and the other publishers like ea they have probably the prime slot if they want to announce the new xbox this year but they can probably hold off um obviously the ps4 has been the big winner this generation Mainly because Street Fighter V was exclusively on the PS4, and that's why it's seen as much success as it has. <laughs> it's why I have one, man, and I and I bet that's the case for and, and the fighting game community clearly is not the the main audience, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, Street Fighter V sold like two point five million copies or whatever. So you know, there's two point five million more PlayStation fours out there. But well, no, half of them are on PC yeah, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shh, don't talk about that. <laughs> I'm really curious with Sony because they're, they're skipping the you know E3 2019 as they've talked about, and they had a really good holiday season. Uh, it wasn't like you know the most amazing holiday season. I think that you know their their previous years have been a little bit better, but both Nintendo and Microsoft also had good holiday seasons. And I wonder, like, from you know for them that they're they're basically just kind of saying like, hey we have this kind of ready to go. Um, you know, we have reports of first party developers uh, and some third party developers having, um, you know, access to the development kits for the PlayStation five right now uh, that's going on. Um, but I think everyone's just kind of collectively pumping the brakes because like, Hey, the holiday season went very well. You know, why not hold up? Yeah. And 
like we said, the PS4, I think they announced, what, uh, about a month ago or so, even a few weeks ago, that they hit, like, the 94 million uh, ship rate, and they uh, probably don't want to stop that anytime soon, the momentum the PlayStation 4 has. So uh, Xbox and Microsoft are probably going to want to jump on the gun as soon as they can to get their new console out in the market, Mm -hmm. as they did in the 360 generation, because, you know, the PS2 was just eating everyone's lunch and the original xbox had a lot of good ideas but it just wasn't selling like obviously they had hoped and being first on the market if we don't count the switch in there will obviously have a big advantage possibly as we've seen with the previous generations so you're 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 thinking that microsoft might try to beat sony to the punch again and uh, so are you thinking maybe a year earlier six months earlier or like what kind of timeline are you you thinking they might look at well like i said with them at e3 Without Sony there, this would be a good, great time to show off the new Xbox, but there's nothing saying they have to release the Xbox this year. Uh, we both saw the PS4 and Xbox One the year they released. We didn't see them before. And so if we see that this year, it might come this year, but it also could come in the early half of 2020. Although consoles have more typically come out around the holiday season to hit Christmas. Um, I did want to ask, because it sounded like you were, uh, you know, you kind of went back and compared how these, you know, at least Sony and Microsoft, and then to an extent Nintendo, Mm -hmm. have clashed and and who's come out on top in the past. And, um, I mean, I I was Xbox for, uh, I guess, the last generation where it was 360 and the PS3. Do you know, like, which one of those was, I mean, generally speaking, more popular? Who won that chapter, if you will? Well, the 360 for the longest time had quite the lead, but... Uh Uh, about the halfway point of the generation, the PlayStation 3 started catching up. And by the very end, I think... I mean, I know that the PlayStation 3 ended up outselling the 360, but it had some longer legs. Uh, the PlayStation brand normally has better standing in places like Europe and Central South America and obviously Asia over Microsoft, which is mostly focused on North America. And so those legs kind of helped push it past xbox at the end even Mm -hmm. after sort of the troubles that sony kind of faced at the beginning of the generation and i mean an xbox's numbers were probably bolstered by all the extra consoles they had to sell from the red rings oh yeah i remember that oh my gosh good times you know the three fix me yeah (laughs) uh so uh this is a fighting game podcast and we have not forgotten about that so i i i guess we have to go where the implications lead us as far as fighting games in this um Clearly, it's well. I can play the next generation of fighting games on my, you know, PlayStation, but also with the the kids and the the friends that have a Switch or the, or the Nintendo one, and then you know the the Microsoft one and such. Um, but there's also we've seen a little bit of disconnect, uh, which is significant, especially with how particular it feels like fighting games really need to be relative speaking, you know, towards other genres where a little bit of a little bit of hiccup is not as big of a deal it seems as though um and so like even going from ps4 to pc we've some seen some like lag and connection issues uh, i just thinking of trying to connect all of the the consoles and do cross-platform stuff uh it might introduce at least at first almost certainly more problems than than solutions and then we have to go through an entire you know season of figuring all that out and i mean it at least for fighting games, this idea of eventual cross-platform, 
feels like it's where we need to go, but it's also scary because it's gonna be a hard road. But do you see it that way too? Because I mean, this is this is more you guys' wheelhouse than mine. I'm kind of more just talking from the outside, looking in and thinking, oh, that'd be cool, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, crossplay started back at least in the PlayStation 3 era with, uh, we had titles like even Portal 2 on PlayStation 3. If you want the PlayStation 3 version, they gave you the Steam version and they could interact with each other and you could play mm-hmm. co-op between them. Final Fantasy 14 was another big one that offered crossplay between PlayStation 3 and PC and then PS3, PC, and PS4. And so that kind of set the groundwork there when Sony was more open to doing some crossplay stuff when they were behind in the sales. And now that they're ahead, you know, they've been a lot more hesitant to jump on board. Although that seems like an inevitability at this point from where the rest of the industry seems to be going. But there will inevitably be some growing pains and we'll have to work through them. There's no skipping over a big advancement like this. But from what we've seen, like it works most of the time very well. And then sometimes it just completely craps the bed. So I, what we've seen so far has been fairly promising. It's just, yeah, there's going to be some kinks to work out. I think uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head there talking about how Sony has been fairly more hesitant than everyone else. I wrote a story uh, was it yesterday, yesterday, the day before, um, talking about how Xbox is getting Xbox Live onto the Switch and onto iOS and onto Android and they're really making moves to try to establish this cross-platform. Did I say Sony? I meant Microsoft if I said... Anyways, yeah. (laughs) And so anyways, uh, and then Sony's like kind of not said anything and they're not part of that conversation yet. So I think that there are so many, I mean, hoops to jump through with this. And uh, I mean, you can speculate all day and, and we can do a little bit of that right now, but... With where we're at at this moment in time, seeing how Sony's kind of acting, seeing how Microsoft is acting, how far or how far along the timeline from now until we have cross-platform play like you would expect it to be, where you know PlayStation can play with Microsoft, can play with PC all together, and it's just a smooth thing where everyone's in the same room, in the same lobby, kind of an idea. Uh, how long before that kind of happens? I mean, we've got a heads up from Epic Games on their open source, you know, cross-play initiative, basically. And the timeline on that one is about the end of this year, they're going to have pretty much everything in place. Now, for all the games to kind of catch up on that and and make that a reality, you're probably looking at another six months to a year out. So, I mean, pretty much by 2020, every game that should support cross-play has, like, every reason to do so. Now, I don't want to, you know, take these very small, you know, indie developers and say, hey, you assholes, you better, you know, have cross-play on your game. You know, you have a... a $10 budget, you know, you better figure this out. You know, it's, I, you know, you don't want to say that, but like for the triple A big time titles, pretty much every fighting game we see in the community that should have cross play pretty much like 20, uh, 2020 on like, you know, maybe the mid or, or end of 2020. So the next generation, pretty right? much. Like, Cause yeah. I, th- I feel like if they don't, launch the next generation with this already kind of in play there will be more progress but i i would dare say that we may have to wait until the next generation after this so that's like you're talking maybe another six seven years before that fully realized cross-platform like you would expect a cross-platform to be um kind of interaction goes Mm -hmm. but dakota what what were your thoughts on that yeah i feel like it could be the big defining feature of the next generation of consoles with the playstation 5 and the xbox whatever but it's kind of dependent on sony at this point because all the other companies have been 
pretty open about wanting to uh, explore this feature. And Sony's been mostly just wanting to just take their ball and go home. Yeah. And it hasn't even been with just the other console manufacturers. It's been with EA with uh, their sort of Games Pass thing when that started out. Sony didn't allow them on the PlayStation, but, you know, Xbox welcomed them and so on. But it just feels like in some ways we're going back to the almost arrogant Sony of the early PlayStation 3 and late PlayStation 2 era where they're doing things because they're winning. Yeah, which is pretty much what every company does if they're winning it. If Nintendo like started winning all of a sudden, they'd be like, well, we don't really give a crap about everyone else now. And, you know, we're, we're getting all of your money. So, eh, who cares? So it, it's just kind of the nature of the beast, unfortunately. And it's why it's so important that we have competition. Uh, very, very important. But yeah. So uh, the other thing that we wanted to address while Dakota was around is something that I've been pretty gung-ho about, excited for, hoping for in one form or another, and that is the evolution of uh, fighting games, specifically Street Fighter V, because it's kind of the torchbearer in a lot of ways, although maybe not for too much longer, we'll see, um, in, in moving towards the what I think is just the modern approach to how people want to experience their gaming uh, for the most part, and that's the free-to-play model. And will that benefit? Does that translate into the fighting game space? Like it, we like we've seen it be successful in you know Fortnite and and League of Legends and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, but you had some thoughts on that, Dakota? Yeah, as we know, Street Fighter Five just celebrated its uh, three-year anniversary, and so now it's going into its fourth year of content, which is really really good for a modern fighter until you maybe compare it to Street Fighter 4, which was technically supported for over six years from the original arcade to Ultra and the costumes beyond that. Um, and last we heard, Street Fighter 5 had sold 2.2 million copies, which is obviously far below what 4 was between its various versions. And if I were Capcom, I'd probably be saying, you know, Street Fighter V has probably sold as many units as they're going to at this point, unless there's a big update coming. And so why not in 2019 dabble a bit in the free-to-play area? Because we've, we've seen it in fighting games, but we have yet to really see it in a sort of flagship staple fighting game, aside from maybe Killer Instinct. And they already have kind of done that with the sort of free-to-play week going through Capcom Cup Finals Week in 2018. And they had the in-game ads running. And now, starting with Season 4, they've cut the fight money again. So it feels like at this point they might be gearing up to sort of relaunch the game as free-to-play. And even if it doesn't work out at this point, it could really be great data for Street Fighter Six and any Capcom fighting games going forward. Why not just give out, you know, the base 16 characters and then from there with the fight money you can make from story mode, you can maybe buy one more character and then have like one in rotation, one DLC character in rotation or something. We've seen fighting games do so in the back in the PS at the end of the PS3 era with Tekken Revolution and Soul Calibur Lost Swords. And both of those were downloaded over two million times each. Although, obviously, they were not exactly well-received by the community due to their pay-to-win and single-player-only approaches. But they still, obviously, probably gave some really good data to Bandai Namco for Tekken 7 and Soul Calibur 6. 
And both of those titles were around before the free-to-play space really took off on consoles with things we have now like Warframe and Fortnite and Smite. And we have seen some what I'd call success stories with Dead or Alive 5 and Killer Instinct. And I mean, obviously it must have worked well for Team Ninja because they announced and confirmed that they are doing that again for Dead or Alive 6 at some point. So, so they're starting though, Team Ninja. I mean, they're starting with there's like a price tag on Dead or Alive Six, but after they get a certain ways down the road, they're gonna take that off and just make it like anyone can play now, and uh, and you can pay for the content. I mean, they're gonna go to the free to play model later. I guess that's what you said, but um, that's that's weird to me because then I don't know the people that paid it early on. I, you almost feel a little bit gypped. Well, what's gonna be is with what. Uh... Dead or Alive 5, the core fighters was, it was pretty much like, I want to say it was four characters you got for free, and then the rest you had to pay for. Mm-hmm. And so Dead or Alive 6 is probably going to do probably the same model. And they said that they wouldn't really get to that or figure that out until after they got the PC port of the game done. So that's still probably at least six months to a year out until they launch that. So I don't think it's too much of a big ask of the community and I don't think it's too much of a stab in the back to anybody that's going to buy it early on because I mean if you're dedicated to the game you're going to want all the characters off the bat and not just have the four and maybe one rotation then the free one will offer Street Fighter has uh, really downsized or in the way of uh, fight money though they've they started out giving you about like six thousand or so on average a a week and they went down to around three thousand with the occasional a uh, big influx with like one of the golden shadowloo soldiers where you can get maybe like an additional 10k and i think it was still it is still equaled out to less but it was enough to keep people like well okay i'll stick around they've gotten that down further too where you're really not making a ton of fight money so people aren't able to store that up right now uh, like they were before and so that to me that maybe is like okay so fight money is about to become more valuable to capcom as opposed to valuable to the uh, well, I mean, valuable for everyone because you can buy potentially more, you know, in-game content, more characters and such with it. So maybe they make it a little more scarce so it's not quite as easy. But, like, this is all speculation if they are trying to translate into a free-to-play model, which, I mean, it's it's a fair speculation at this point given that we're not getting a season pass, things are changing up, um, all the things that you listed before with those in-game ads and uh, the fact that they, they made it free-to-play for a while. It seems like they're doing a lot of testing right now. In your opinion, though, does is the Street Fighter V, is it the kind of game that could be free-to-play? And by that, I mean, like, I, I guess I should just share my hesitation with it. I mean, I, I have said before that I, I'd hope it goes in that direction, but I, I think that the main problem with it is that it doesn't, it doesn't feel maybe fun or rewarding enough to get someone that's just coming in off the street and saying, yeah, well, I'll try it out for a second. You're not hooking them. I don't know if you hook them with, like, you know, a few a few matches of Street Fighter Five for free. It's like, are they going to get that dopamine rush that makes them want to come back for more and fall in love with the game and grind enough to start seeing wins on the regular and then you know have a relationship with their character with their experience and therefore you know feel validated or or motivated to spend real money to further enhance that or further personalize their character because I think like I think I've said before, you need to have that. It has to be fun first and foremost, or else none of this works. So I wonder if Street Fighter V translates to that. Yeah, it would definitely be an interesting experiment, which I believe that would be kind of the goal at this point, was to just be experiment, see what it does. 
basically you're going to run into any hurdles and it's not going to be as successful as a game that you built from the ground up to work around a free-to-play model. So it's obviously going to be trying to fit a square peg through a circular hole, but you can still make it fit if it's, you know, small enough or if you mash it hard enough. <laughs> so Perfectly put, yes. But yeah, I feel like it could work, but at the same time, I feel like at this point for Capcom, it might just be good to get data for a game that's already going into its fourth year. Yeah, I, I think at this point with Street Fighter V, you kind of want to salvage the game um, with whatever you can, as Dakota is saying. We spoke with Matt Dahlgren in the past, and you know, we he mentioned that when you know the game was first launching that they were looking at a free-to-play version of the, the title. And then we asked him like a couple of years later before he left Capcom, how do you feel about, you know, like another free-to-play version? He's like, well, you know, you can get the game for 10 bucks now. And he's like, I know that's not free-to-play, but it's kind of like that. Like, it's so cheap, you know, to, to get your foot in the door. And then, you know, uh, before, you know, they took away all the fight money, they had quite a bit available. You could get quite a bit of the game for like 10 bucks or so. And I... I, I, I'm seeing where John is saying, though, like the the reward factor of like a Heroes of the Storm or a Hearthstone, which I played quite a bit. Like I loved Hearthstone. Like those those free to play experiences, they're built from the ground up to get you to actually buy, you know, different modules or whatever or cards or whatever you want to do there and, and kind of go that route. I don't think Street Fighter V has enough of that gusto um, in terms of, of what it's built upon, unless you're really into crush counters. If you're really into crush counters, <laughs> then you are going to be like thrilled. But uh, beyond that, I just, I, I mean, again, I, I, they can play up the nostalgia factor. Hey, hey, you've got Ryu. He's actually good now. You know, here's Ken, here's Bison, here's these other characters you love, you know. Um, but overall, I just uh, I kind of think people have, have put their toe on that water already if they were going to. And, and free-to-play will bring in some more people, but not enough to move the needle for Capcom. Uh, and I think Dakota's uh, spot on, though. Like, you can get data here and use that to make your future project uh, better. You know, like, why not do that? Like, it, it seems like other companies have done it. Why not do that with Capcom? Uh, that's maybe why they had the trial there for Capcom Cup. You know, it's it's not a bad idea. Yeah, and especially considering the the lack of well, what it feels like to me, at least, the lack of fervor for the game right now, because we, you know, like we've talked about, we've been in the dark about it, and we don't know what's coming, and it's kind of hard to get hype at this point, um, especially for a game that's you know labeled as a service. What I'm kind of looking at at this point, it's like, well, whatever happens with the rest of Street Fighter Five, fine, we'll take it, we'll play it. But my eyes are more and more set towards. I hope that the lessons that are being learned right now, and the the trials that like the the you know try and see what happens and 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 it might not be great and it might not be glamorous and might not be fun or whatever but i hope that we see that all translated into an even better experience in street fighter 6 like or whatever comes next and so that's kind of where my mind and heart are at right now with with all this um and and you know what if something great happens with street fighter 5 i will take it man that'd be great and i'm and i'm hoping for it but i'm not expecting it and so i was going to say off of that like where the game is at now it's in kind of no man's land where, you know, even sort of the more casuals that had stuck it out over this time, like anecdotally, I've got one of my best friends is a big fan of the series, but he's been kind of lukewarm on five, but he came back every week to do the missions and everything and the extra battles. But now that like the big payout of the missions has been cut out, he's stopped playing the game because mm -hmm. he has no reason to come back. Because all he wants to do is earn fight money to unlock more characters, but he can't really do that anymore three years in. And so he's just kind of done with the game. Yep. Well, that's a good sad note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> now that we've depressed everyone, <laughs> we're good. So. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much, Dakota. We really appreciate you jumping on here and sharing your wisdom. Uh, I'll also take this opportunity to say that I think that he's been doing a, a real good job on the uh, the front page of the website. I've been enjoying seeing his articles and seeing him grow as a, as a writer here with Event Hub. So thank you so much for everything. Um, if you haven't been following him already, go and check out what he has to say. He's got a pretty unique voice and he adds a lot to the, uh, the overall Event Hub's flavor. All right. Thank you guys for having me on. You know, it only took about a year or so, but uh, I finally got on here. Yes, yes. Well, I'm sure we'll have you again at some point, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, thank you. Have a good day, guys. Round three. And we are into the third and final segment round of the uh, podcast today. I had something of a revelation, and when I articulate it and put it into words here, it's probably going to sound like a duh, that's like day one or two. But, I mean, if we dig into it a little bit deeper, I think that there's some significance to it. So I'll jump right into it. I was playing Street Fighter V with some friends locally um, for the first time in about three weeks the other day. And as we were discussing it, I kind of came to the conclusion, and and this, like I said, has probably been said before in, in so many words, but that there are some characters that are very, very strong on paper. Traditionally speaking, fighting game style, it's like you look at like a Nikali, he's got a three-frame jab, he's got a wake-up DP, he's got a dive kick, he's got a command grab, he's got rushdown, he's got average health. Like It's like, okay, so this is very clearly a strong character. And yet, we're not seeing him win tournaments. We're not seeing him being played all that often outside of Phenom, who he himself is like getting side characters to, to you know, to be more consistent on a competitive level. And I myself have come very clearly to the conclusion as someone who's, you know, dabbled in the competitive side of things and in the, the casual side of things, that he's just not a character that can get it done consistently. And we've talked about that before. You've said many times, yes, for what your purposes are, John, you should not be playing this character. You should be playing somebody else because he is, um, he, he's good. He's solid on paper, but you know what he's not is he's not silly broken. He doesn't have the goofy stuff that the absolute top tiers have that you can rely on. And I just want to clarify here, I've actually begged you to stop playing yeah. Nikali entirely. I've said, please, 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 for the love of all that's good and holy, <laughs> stop playing this freaking character because he does not fit you anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, and so so the, the, the general takeaway is that it's fine, you can be good, you can be solid. Ryu might be in that category now, and that puts you kind of around mid-tier. But if you want to win, you need to have the silly stuff. You need to have the broken stuff. And it's kind of gotten to the point where it's matter-of-fact, that you just need to have really dumb, crazy good things that you can just kind of do, and that can carry you. And, uh, and so that was my just kind of basic revelation here. Uh, and, and so what I first wanted to do, there's a kind of twofold here, um, is go, okay, so sure, that makes sense. Now let's look at other fighting games and see if that's, I don't think it's at all unique to Street Fighter V. In fact, it might be less so for Street Fighter V than a lot of the other older games. I, I think about Third Strike, and there were only a few viable tournament characters in that game. Um, and, and it's like, well, is that just the way things are? Is that what we should be expecting? Or, or should it be that more and more characters, if you're solid, if you are a quote-unquote good fighting game player, as opposed, or, I'm sorry, a quote-unquote good fighting game character as opposed to a broken fighting game character, should you have a chance at winning more than we're seeing with the characters in Street Fighter V? Or has that always just been the story? Uh, I mean, it's, okay, so 
as a general expectation, that's been the story and will continue to be the story. You know, the, these characters are high tier for that reason. They they have very few bad matchups and tiers are, are typically based on matchups. Not always, but but how many bad matchups are you going to run across? Basically, mm-hmm. that's that's the foundation of them. Um the giant exception to the rule, and it's a, it sticks out like a, a sore thumb here in this case, is Super Turbo. That is a one game where you have seen pretty much across the gamut uh, a lot of people win with very low tier characters in that game. Not consistently, but they've done it. You know, it's happened. Uh, again, Snake Eyes infamously won with Zangief and HDR. And, you know, we had people on there like Valle and Choi going, like, how the heck is he doing this? Like, he should not be able- Zangief is not that good in this game. Like, he- you can't do that. And he did it, you know. Um, and again, Damn Die with uh, old T-Hawk, who everyone thought was completely hot, hot garbage. He he took option selects, a Street Fighter 4 technology, and incorporated them into Super Turbo. Super Turbo, if I can get that word out there. Um, that tech was was there from the get-go, right? Like, And it was just sitting there waiting for people to discover it. And and yeah, um, it's... So you have that, but you also have, you know, Street Fighter 3, Third Strike, as you mentioned, where it was like Chun-Li, Yun, you know, Dudley, Akuma, a handful of other characters that were actually viable. Um, and, you know, you had maybe about half the roster where you occasionally saw like an Ibuki or a Necro or an Oro or something like that do some kind of okay damage um, and, and, and do some stuff. Uh, but, you know, half the cast was basically not okay. Um, so... And the more recent example that I can think of here uh, would actually be um, CN. Again, we, we talk about all, all the time, like his, his win with Gin at Evo. Um, and then, but he, you know, the same thing, he tried to take Fong in Street Fighter V and just fell on his face up and down and left and right. Relatively speaking, it's still CN, you know, falling on his face is doing quite well. Uh, but then he picks up someone like Ibuki and does quite a bit better, mm-hmm. right? So the important part here is that you need to see something within the character itself and you need to be convinced that that character is either underrated or underappreciated in some way that they can win at the highest of levels. Um, If you don't see it and you don't see opportunity there, then you probably should move on to a character that is viable at at tournament level if if winning in tournament is important to you. You know, for your average listener, for me, like, I mean, I want to win some matches in tournament, but I don't expect to ever win a tournament. You know, that's not my, it's not my, you know, end-all, be-all, you know, type thing. I want to do some damage. I want to win some matches. You want to break some dreams down as Nikali players come over from Japan, try to get last chance qualifier. You're going to send those guys home crying with their (laughs) bill completely intact for the plane (laughs) ticket and no glory here. Yeah making it's still one of my favorite moments of, of just making the other player I, I don't want to put him too much on blast so i'll omit the name this time around and just looking at the screen and going what the heck are you doing how are you what is this what is this garbage i'm looking at right here <laughs> like oh it was so so thrilling for me but anyway um what are your goals you know what do you want to accomplish there uh and if your accomplishment is it, it, you're wanting to accomplish i should say is to win and to win at a high level you typically need to to aim for a character that has that tool set that's very good mm-hmm. and, and in some way complementary to you again it's why daigo doesn't play ryu and hasn't played ryu since season one um he's like look uh I have an expectation of performance that's on my head that people, I can't go in there and place like 30, you know, third at a bunch of tournaments in a row. I'm Daigo Umahara. I'm sure he doesn't talk like that, but I'm talking like that for him, Mm -hmm. damn it. Um, He has an expectation of performance. People expect him to make top eight, to win a couple, to do that kind of stuff. He very much felt that Ryu could not get that job done. That is his character. Like many people associate Ryu with him. They're like Daigo, like his half, like Ryu, like in in his blood and stuff. Uh, And he's like, well, I I can't play the character. So what do you do at that point? You you look for someone stronger. And and if if someone like Daigo is doing that with a character is, is 
generally loyal as he's been to Ryu uh, over the years. Not completely, but, you know, close enough. Um, I, I don't think you can really fault anyone if that's their main goal. You know, if you really want to compete, you do have to pick a character that at least you feel is viable. Absolutely. And then so I guess my other question to go along with that is that can you fault developers right now for having a game where there are characters that are good on paper and then there are characters where it's just like I'm broken and because of that, that makes me uh, the best as opposed to I have solid fundamentals. I mean, you and I know this really well from doing the podcast. We sit there and we talk to multiple people who play the characters and we do things. We do a lot of research uh, on numerous topics on here. You know, it's like neither you and I are like expert, expert, like Falk players, right? We're not going in there and going like, oh man, I know everything about Falk. And, you know, we, we know enough to talk about the character for a little bit. We do our research. Um, you start doing research on 35 characters and you're there for a long time. You know, you're there, you know, trying to brush up on your knowledge. That's, you know, our job in the community. We try to, you know, limit how much we talk about this stuff, you know, pull back the curtain here. Uh, Vent Hub's podcast, like, we don't try to discuss every uh, f- uh, f- uh, facet of a Falk because we don't know it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's. I wish we knew it. And so turning that over to your question about Capcom is like, guess what? Uh, these guys got a, a bunch of jobs to do. Uh, I know their main job is game balance, but I can promise you, like there are some you know characters on this 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 roster that these guys are not experts with, and they have a general idea of how they need to function and and work, but at the highest of levels, they don't know. And then when they reach out there in the community for this feedback, and they're like, "Hey, what should we do?" They're getting fifty different answers. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, you know, Falk needs this, or she needs that. Like, do this and do that." And, and and so they're left like you know looking at tournament footage or left looking at the same things you and I look at, you know, and doing our research and trying to figure out how to make sense of all this. So, the long answer to your question is is like. What do you do? You know, you you can only take a, a good guess at the stuff. No, I 100% agree, and and I've been very critical of them and and of their balance, especially as of late. And well, I, I mean, not so much in their balance, but um, it, it has been something that's been very much on my radar, right? And um, and I do think that at the end of the day, it's like they have multiple crowds to please, and part of it is just the people that like playing characters because they like the design. You know, like I love Jury because of X Y Z. You know, and, and and such. And I'm going to play this character not because I'm trying to win tournaments. That's not the only type of person that plays this game or these games, I should say. Um, there are many more. And so uh, as far as the competitive scene goes, it's like maybe that's not ideal to have where, you know, you have to play a, a silly broken thing in order to have a viable chance. Um, but uh, it is just kind of like, well, what do you, like you say, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, and and I, can, I can digest that. You know, like that's, that's fair. And, and I'm, I can't say that I would necessarily do an, an amazingly better job if I were the one in the driver's seat there. And so it's okay. It's like, if you want to win, well, then you have to have a different approach. And that goes back to what we all go to the same character select screen. And one player that we do know is very much competitive, the 2014 EVO champion for Street Fighter 4. And he's done a pretty good job in Street Fighter 5, distinguishing himself as one of the best Mika players in the world is uh, Luffy over from France. He recently put a tweet out where he made a tier list, but... Instead of a traditional tier list, well, I'm just going to read the text to you. He says, how about a tier list about how well a character can carry a player, equal to being easy to be effective at a fairly good level because of the cheapness of it? So, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of translation from from uh, English being his second French, language or something. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and then, so he put at the top of this tier list uh, that... Uh, 
carry players. So they, these, these are the characters that carry players well. And at the very bottom, doesn't carry players. So basically, it's it's cheap stuff, right? So that you can just do it, and you know, a lot of just do it moves, stuff along those lines. Um, and he got a lot of flack for this because he has Bison, who's one of the uh, the more polarizing and, and argument for top. Top tier, if not maybe best in the game. Who knows? He won Evo last year. He got buffs or didn't get nerfs this year. Uh, he has him uh, on the second tier down from uh, from the or the second tier up from the very bottom. Um, that's next. Bison is next to Vega, Ken, Fong, and then Nikali as a character that uh, doesn't carry players very well. And then um, up at the top, he's got the likes of Rashid, Cami, uh, Karen. Which is interesting to me, Karine, um, and then Abigail still, and then right under that is Ibuki, Guile, and uh, and G. And you can see the his, his entire tier chart here. Uh, but there are a lot of him being a top player. Um, there are a lot of eyes on what he's saying and doing. And uh, someone like like a Mena RD jumped in and and completely disagreed with Karen and Ibuki, um, and then. Uh, said that Bison is way higher. That was the main thing, as everyone was saying, Bison was way higher. Um, and then Mika has been known as a uh, as a character that can carry players with her set play. Now that was much more the case in season one, and she's certainly been toned down since then. But there's still that taste in a lot of people's mouths, and she can still melt you if she gets you in the corner and, and you know has a V trigger mix ups and such. Like she can definitely um, just just destroy your life bar there, uh, rob you in a sense. But Luffy has her right smack dab in the middle, along with a handful of other characters. Um, as a, it doesn't necessarily carry, but doesn't, um, but you know, is, is on neither extreme of the spectrum. And I think this kind of ties in with what we were talking about before, because uh, it, it's not necessarily top tier. Um, although if it does, if a character does carry a player, then it's going to likely be higher up on, on the tier chart. But if he puts Bison down this far low, um, Minot is in the very, very Minot's bottom. Minot's at the very bottom. Yeah. And so is Zeku, who we know is supposed to be pretty damn good this season. Right, well. right. So. Um, and so it's like, well, maybe they're they're a little more technical, a little harder to play, but they still get really good results. Um, he's got Akuma right there in the middle, uh, along with Armika. One of the things I want to throw out here, and, and I think this is a, a very important to establish here, is what level is this intended for in terms of a player? You know, uh, like, and I, I mean, like, is this like for everyone? Is this like supposed to be an overall, you know, um, uh, this is, you know, what level, like if you first start off the game, like, you know, Abigail is going to carry you super far. Like, that's fine. You know, if, if that's the case and how you feel, or is this like the only for the top of end of players, you know, and, and that would be my guess. Right. But, but how do you feel like, who do you think this is mainly marketed to? Well, okay. So I think that Luffy further, if you go through this thread, it's fairly interesting. Um, but it was where I'm trying to find it here. I think it's where Mena RD said that, uh, Bison, okay, stop it. Luffy Bison is definitely super easy to play, especially with V trigger two. Now Luffy says, please help me problem X, but I don't think problem X ever did end up, um, bringing it up. But, uh, and so I'm trying to find the follow-up here from Luffy, but I require, I recall him saying something to the effect of that, uh, this is more at the top level in that if a bison is patient, it's like he doesn't have, um, he gets more like free win robbery stuff when he gets all the way to V trigger and when he makes that situation work for him. And, um, and I'm, I'm not necessarily signing off on this. I'm not certain where I stand with all of this as far as what Luffy's saying here. But Bison um, has to, to work earlier on in the, in the set in order to win. 
uh, and and that he doesn't have just immediate access to easy to, to just do it and hopefully it will win kind of things. Maybe, maybe not, but that's where he's coming from. So I would say that the argument is that this is more for players that are on the top level. Um, and obviously he plays with Problem X, who's the yeah. best bison in the world. So, uh, so yeah, and so he sees the character as one that um, that really requires... Uh, more thought and and such and then that's fine but i do see where people are coming from when they say that you know bison deserves to be much higher up because you're going to run into a lot of bisons online and uh and they you can definitely lose to them even if they're doing a lot of stuff that that is is not very fruitful strategies normally they'll just pull it out with you know some crazy v trigger one shenanigans or hey men already saying v trigger two is getting the job done too yeah, and I also want to remind people that I think that Mika does pretty well in the Bison matchup overall. Um, it's just the type of thing where where she can melt Bison, and he doesn't really have many options to counter her. Um, once I mean, just defensively, Bison sucks, and he kind of always has. Once you get in on him, uh, a character that can just maul him does very well, and and there you go. It, these are the lenses that, that are important to view this information through. Um, it's it, people want to have you know just like black and white, like this is the absolute truth, and blah blah blah. It's like, well, no. Like keep in mind that that Luffy made this through a, a the lens of a high tier very top end tournament level player mm-hmm. and also as a Mika main you know and, and a Mika main that plays against Bison quite a bit I'm not saying I agree with him either you know on the Bison bit uh, I played the character enough I, I have very strong opinions about where he's at in this regard but um, it, it's, it's important to remind our listeners of this I think you know I'm interested in that he has Karen amongst the top four characters they're all on the same level at the very very top again Rashid, Kami, Karen and then Abigail and I see Karen as she has some very strong footsies and she's got some like she's got a game plan that if you play that game plan, it can be very fruitful for you. But it really requires that you have precision and confirms. And that's why you're seeing like Punk do a lot better than almost everyone else is because he's so damn good at those kind of confirms. And so to me, I feel like she's a little more technical than you can just pick this character up and it will carry you to victory. I think that uh, but but again, if this is only talking about top level players, then it, maybe it's a given that you're able to do some of that higher level stuff. And if once you once that's not something that you have to actively think about, or that there's much question that you'll be able to do it, then that just means that what the character's tools are are the things that carry you. And so the, maybe I can see that coming from there. But uh, it is interesting that I see Karen that because I think she's she's got low life. She's hard. She's I think she's hard to play. I think she's, she's got really yeah. good tools, but I don't think she's easy yeah. to play. So I I wonder I believe this is a bad matchup here for Mika and I think that might be one of the things that's going on is like well he's like well Karen is you know I mean I think Karen blows up Mika pretty well she's got good tools to stop a lot of her stuff right and she's got a D, DP which you know Mika players hate um, and so I think he's ran into a lot of Karen players he felt like were beneath him and he's like well guess what you know this character can carry people a lot and I've never seen that with Karen except for in season one. In season one, she was really overpowered and stupid beyond belief. Uh, ever since then, I, I've been like, no, she's fine. She falls in like a you know a pretty respectable mark. And, and one of the the characters I actually don't agree with carrying players, and this might you know and and do some salt here. Actually, two of them he's got here uh, are Guile and G. Mm. Um, especially think uh, Guile in this season, I don't think he's carrying much of anyone. Uh, and, you know, maybe this is more, you know, based on past, you know, type stuff, but I don't think he's, uh, I think he has a fair amount of execution associated with him. Uh, you get a lot of the command normals and other things when you're trying to do a lot of his charge combos. Uh, his V-Trigger 1 combos are not easy to do, if you ask me. Uh, I think they take a good bit of skill to do. Um, and uh, G is another one, uh, with the exception here of V-Trigger 1. 
I, I do think V Trigger One is a bit dumb and overpowered. Like when he does a low rush punch and and he you block it and then he's at advantage and all that. It's like that's a full screen low attack move that he's plus on and that if he hits, like he gets a huge advantage with. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably not good. That's probably not okay. I I'm, I don't think there's another character in the game that gets that. I could be wrong. You know, I'm, other characters have like a sweep into it, like with Bison, but he's not following up with that. Like he's not getting a full you know massive combo with corner carry. On, on top of it so um, that's one thing I can say but the thing about G is uh, when you're playing the character like you have to constantly manage his presidential levels you know and again I'm talking out of V-Trigger right V-Trigger like they just stay up there the entire time mm-hmm. and he's good to go he doesn't have to think about that but that changes the scope of what combos you can do. It changes the spacing. It changes your moves. And you have to constantly be aware of when you've been knocked down and adjust your game plan accordingly. Uh, and and with the zoning and all the other stuff he has to do, I mean, we're seeing pretty much like technical monsters like 801 Strider and Smug play this character and do well with them. Like that's all we're kind of seeing. And like Nemo's doing it a little bit now as well. Um, these are character or players, I should say, with high, high, high execution. And when we see that, you know, some of those players with like low execution doing well with G, and you know, we'll see tournament season hasn't fully started up yet. Um, that's when I'll say, okay, yeah, this guy is carrying people. Right now, I'm not seeing it. When I'm seeing like just the, the our upper echelon of players, uh, strategical minds, all that kind of stuff, taking this character and doing well with them, then I go, yeah, that's. I personally think he's a um, a damn strong character, top ten in this, but I don't see how he's carrying people yet. Well, um, as far as execution goes, I, I don't see it here right now, but I remember reading specifically Luffy saying that, like, get out of here with the talk of execution in Street Fighter Five. If you've been around for any other Street Fighter fighting game, um, you know that like some stuff is harder to do than others in this game, but none of it is mm-hmm. really that hard. And so execution is something that he takes with a grain of salt and says, like, you're pretty much expected to be able to do what your character can do consistently if you're in this, like, kind of tier of player that he's talking about right now. Okay, so I I need to jump in on this one. Uh, Two thoughts on that. One, he plays Mika. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Luffy is one of my favorite players, but when you play Mika, you do not get to talk about execution uh, because you do not understand. Uh, I play Minot. I understand execution in this game. at the same time, he's not entirely wrong. It's it it's the execution is definitely dialed back. He's incorrect, but know. not inaccurate, is what you would say. Yeah, it, okay. there you go. It, it's it, it's 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 definitely there with some characters. I mean, you've played Sagat. You know, you've got to get those card DPS out there. You've got to do some tight links. You've got to do some other stuff. You know, it's there. You know, it, it's so he's he's selling it a bit short there and again i when you play mika you don't get to talk about execution i'm well, sorry i Go compare and, it to yeah. like the one frame links of like i mean because i played a handful of evil ryu at the end of ultra street fighter 4 and i don't even think he was the hardest character to play there um but like you know doing a whole bunch of one frame links all the time you would see pros drop those even daigo oh, yeah. you know from time oh, yeah. to time um and and i think that that's more where he's coming from it's like you're not seeing that kind of stuff like you might screw up and flub up but it's not because you're missing like the one frame it's because of i mean i don't know it's just I, I do think that it's a whole other conversation when you bring up execution in this game versus when you would bring it up into like you know the Street Fighter Four, Street Fighter Three, something like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's it comes down to the eye test at that point. Like, how many times are pros dropping combos in Street Fighter Five versus Street Fighter Four? And everyone's eye test is going to be different because who's going to give Street Fighter Five a fair shot here? Who's legitimately going to go, you know what, like I'm going to give Street Fighter V the benefit of the doubt. This game takes as much execution as, as any other game and blah. like no one's going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, no, this game's dumb and stupid and blah. It's It's got like, you know, two cards like against it already you know, on the table, like face up and you can see it. It's just like, yeah. Um, so 
I, I get what he's saying and I, I can't disprove it, but I also don't think, as you said, it's not, I don't think it's entirely accurate, but yeah. Sure. Um, I found a bit here where he talks directly about Karen. He says, Karen can rob you with a simple random crouching medium kick in, into Tanko, into EX Tanko, into EXDP in the corner, and then back throw. Uh, and I guess that's into stun. Um, and so like that, he's just giving an example of how, like, if they hit this one thing, um, it's good. And, and, but that's been the story of street fighter five for the most part yeah, is like, yeah. if they hit you with a random and then throw in whatever that is, you know, for G it's like a random low rush or for bison, it's like a random sweep or something like that. And then they cancel, um, that can be the round. And then we've talked about it ad nauseum with, with Abigail. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's like. And, and I get it because some characters have their random thing that carries them a lot further. With Nikali, mm-hmm. for instance, it's like when he hits you probably with a random standing heavy uh, or sending roundhouse crush counter, right? And then he mm-hmm. goes into the business or something. But, I mean, it, it's more isolated. I don't think he rolls you as quickly um, as some of the other characters do. Um, and, and therefore, it's like he's not carrying you because he has to, give more, he has to get more correct reads in a row. I think I think Nikali rolls you just as fast as anyone in the game. Actually, I just think his the frequency at what he's able to do that is less than some of the other characters. I don't think he's able to go as random as other people. Yeah, um, it's funny. F word re- replied here in this thread to Luffy saying, "You are absolutely the most deluded top tier player in the world. You've officially overtaken Phenom with this nonsense, and you truly believe Mika isn't a player character." WTF? Are you drinking? And then he has a picture of uh, Homer from The Simpsons, fat, looking into the bathroom mirror, and his reflection in the bathroom mirror is his really buff version of himself, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And, I, and I'm sure that that's all in like you know good fun. They like they're friends and play. <laughs> Yeah. Um, speaking of that, actually, I, I do find it entertaining how Street Fighter V has has made everyone enemies. And it's like we used to be fine and be able to discuss, you know, these games somewhat civilly, you know, but like Street Fighter V has taken that out the window and said, no, you're going to hate everyone. You're going to hate everyone else's character. You're going to think everyone's bullcrap and that you can't deal with this and all that. It's like, man, this game has, has taken the salt levels to a new level. Like I've never seen this before in the, the fighting game community. I've been around a while, a long time, and I don't remember people ever getting this pissed off about a game and having this divisive of opinions about it. Like it's, this game is polarizing, man. It's, it's crazy. Like, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he says, as long as Guile can do Sonic boom into flash kick plus two Sonic boom OPV skill, he will be there. And then he says for Cammy EX cannon strike, no need to say more. <laughs> so <laughs> gives you something of an idea here. Um, he says that uh, Kage is good, uh, but he's got bad neutral, so that puts him down. But his V trigger is a little bit redeeming. Um, so, and and you can go through. I, I mean, I think that this is something worth looking at, no matter who you are in the community. Yeah. Um, just getting this perspective, having this kind of a conversation, because uh, you know, it's just you kind of want to know, like well, who am I going to choose to play? How do I want to play this game? Do I want to thrive in the competitive scene? What are the pros thinking? And like you said, I like how you laid it out saying that this is specifically coming through a couple of filters. He's a Mika player. He's in the top level of competitive you know, scenes. He plays with Problem X's Bison all the time. So mm-hmm. those are all going to influence how he talks about certain characters and whatnot. But man, it's, uh, it's interesting. And yeah, like you say, it's very divisive, very divisive. I want to throw this out here and because we get hung up on the things we disagree with, right? We're doing mm-hmm. the classic thing and we're picking apart his list. Like overall, do you think the list holds up? Like, I mean, you know, let's say 80% of it. Do you think that 80% of this is on point? I'm pretty happy with a lot of it. And then yeah. even further with, 
it, you know, with his little, with his insights, you know, in the thread, it kind of gives me a better idea of where he's coming from with his arguments for a lot of these characters. And I can see, but again, it's like, it really depends on the angle you're looking at. And you're not going to have everybody looking at the same angle. Even just within the competitive crowd, there's going to be divisions as we're seeing throughout this entire um, thread here. So, so yeah, I, I, I would say that I'm happy Luffy did this and I, and I don't directly disagree with it. There are some that I would have to dig further into, but I'm more of the mind of like, I think Luffy probably knows more about this than I would, in, in, especially in certain matchups. And uh, I'm not ready to just say, no, you're wrong, guy that won Evo, you know, because <laughs> like, I don't feel like I'm quite as qualified. So, so there's that. Yeah. I, again, just a, it's something I, I'll caution people at home to is writing off your own opinion and experiences um, entirely, I think, is a bad idea. Uh, I know plenty of top players who have massive holes in their game and massive holes in their knowledge or don't know how to articulate or explain things all that well. Um, uh, there's there's plenty of room for your opinion and your thoughts. Just don't, you know, don't get too cocky about it or overstate your stuff too much either. Uh, Luffy has one Evo. Um, he's a very gifted player. He's, uh, he's one of my favorites, as I've mentioned. Um, his Mika is highly respectable for a Mika player. That's a big accomplishment um, because that, that's a dirty scumball character. And, uh, and I think he plays her very, very well, you know, and, and I don't think many people can kind of disagree with uh, his skill and his ability to showcase that with a character. Many people consider scrubby, you know, um, that's hard to do if you ask me. Uh, but anyway, um, it's important to to realize that you do have contributions you can give, though. You might be like a Chun-Li main who understands that character really well. And and for your little pocket of knowledge that you have with that character, you can, you can really um, uh, get that out there in front of the community and share a lot of great knowledge about that. So, again, I just uh, I do caution players sometimes that they knock down their, their own abilities and thoughts too much. It's like, no, you, you have stuff you can contribute. Uh, if you study this stuff and actively care about it and try to go in as unbiased as you can, you can contribute a good amount. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see how things play out in the competitive scene. As we talked about, we're gearing up for the Capcom Pro Tour 2019 kicks off. Well, we have uh, Evo Japan soon coming up, um, but then but that's not on the Pro Tour. Uh, March 15th, I believe, is final round, and so we'll get things started off there. We'll see how the professionals carry this new uh, season, this new balance patch, what characters rise to the top, if there's going to be a whole bunch of camis this time around again, or if we're all migrated over to Ibuki and Rashid and Akuma and such. Um, and who carries who? It'll be very interesting, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of questions with not a lot of answers right now, and that kind of makes sense based on where we are in the year and based on how much you know Capcom has been giving us in the way of answers to be a dead horse. Um, but you know, I think answers are on the way, and it'll be interesting to see how they play out. Yeah, I agree. So uh, before we go here, real fast, uh, in terms of the characters that are that are most under the radar that you think are going to kind of explode onto the scene uh, and, and make a big impact, either with carrying players or doing whatever, like uh, who are your top three right now that you think people need to be looking out for? In terms of carry, uh, in terms of carry, or they're just going to explode and be you know uh, very positive on the results in terms of showing up a lot. Like who are you kind of like afraid of, or like you know just kind of seeing go on right now. um well Rashid's still up there and especially as the capcom cup winner i think that he's significant i think akuma nah, I, akuma is low life you know and, and you have to have some tact in his neutral from from the first you know from from square one and he has some dumb stuff that he can kind of just do but those have been there so i don't know so much about akuma but uh um i mean bison pops up in my mind even though it's low on on luffy's list cody who is uh where's cody here 
Smack He's down. in the middle. Right yeah. in the middle. Cody is, I think, potentially really good, but people are still not giving him a ton of credit. Mm-hmm. Birdie has been interesting because I've heard that he's really bad, and I've heard from Japan that he's one of the best in the in the game. Here on Luffy's list, he's in I guess like he's one step above the mid tier with Balrog. It's just uh, Birdie and Balrog sit together, and as far as how well they carry players, and I really think that that Birdie has traditionally been in that carry players kind of um, kind of tier. But uh, you know that's that's a really hard question. I I I haven't been playing the game too much, so I guess I don't have an initial reaction to it. And it's and so that my next step of getting that information is watching the pros play. Mm-hmm. And um, so like I'll be basically going off of season three point five a little bit. And so like you know Abigail pops up in my mind, but he's been significantly nerfed. Yeah. Um, but did you have a have a reaction to that? Yeah. Um. Uh. The top three I've got right now that people need to be on the lookout for. Not necessarily going to be the best characters in the season, but like are going to be popping up on people's radar a lot more. Um. Are G Cody and Bison. Um. I think you need to be fearful of all of those characters and learn the matchups very heavily, uh, because you're going to be seeing them a lot more often than you did before. And uh, I don't know very many people who know the Cody matchup except for you and I pretty well because we have to play uh, Shazi online a lot. <laughs> and um, when you play him online, you start to get really afraid of Cody uh, and really afraid of him in general because man is he man he's a bastard. Like and, and big big props to him. Like that's a huge compliment. He's like the one of the top ranked players online and all that uh really good uh, really good player i really hope he goes out to tournaments um but uh but yeah those are those are who i'm looking out for i like i like the g pick i've been not quiet at all about how i feel about him and how he's kind of brain dead in a lot of ways but i think that at the top level that might not be as prevalent or that might not be the case as much i think online um yes because you're gonna get hit more by like sudden rush punch low but i think that you know you block it and he's minus four um, and a lot of characters have some significant punishes to that. And all you take that out of the equation, maybe it's not as good because then it's only V-Trigger that you really have to, to kind of go off of. And there's some BS there, but that's why he's like maybe number two on the carry players list instead of in tier one, you know, when, when you're looking at Luffy's chart here. So um, I think G's a fair pick, but I think that I might have a little bit of an inflated view in terms of how ridiculous he might be. And that that can be regulated down quite a bit um, once you start playing with uh, with intent against him, and you really you know you really inspect the matchup like the pros are going to be doing. So I think he's probably he's up there, but he's not as bad as my heart would tell me he is right now. He's a mind bender until you download that matchup. Uh, he he'll just make you think he's broken beyond belief until then. Uh, playing nephew's G quite a bit, I'm like, what is this character and what is he doing right now and how do I stop it? Just oh, he, he, very frustrating to deal with. And then you 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 start to wrap your head around. He's got dumb stuff, but I don't even have him as number one right now. Just top ten. Uh, I think he's very good, but yeah. Fair enough. All right, y'all, that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Once again, I'm John Catalyst Gray, and with me is John Velociraptor Guerrero. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.